Well, I've been looking forward to this service. I was preaching in San Antonio. I've already preached twice this morning. And uh, just got home at about, what did we land? We landed about 4.30. Got home about 5 to 5. So I hadn't even had time to change clothes. But uh, this works. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, let me give you a warning. The pastors took me to an Italian restaurant after service today. And if you see the first two rows fall out, it could be the anointing or it could be garlic. And I got to lay hands on everybody here tonight. Hallelujah. You love garlic? Hallelujah. I walked in the house and was going to kiss my wife. And she said, whoa. She said, I hope you're not praying for people tonight. I said, yes, I am. And my prayers will be powerful. One way or the other, they will be powerful. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. Open your Bibles, first of all, tonight to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5. We will rise and build because it's all about the harvest. Hallelujah. Have you noticed all the construction going on around us? All the new homes that are being built. That's our harvest field, praise God. That's the reason why we're going to rise and build a new church facility, new church campus, because we're interested in the harvest. That's our assignment. Amen. Now, we call this service tonight... It's an apostolic service, but at the same time, it's a point of contact service. And I learned that from Oral Roberts many, many years ago. Now, if you want to write something down that uh, you want to remember for the rest of your life. I wrote this down when I learned it from Brother Roberts over 45 years ago. He said the point of contact is when you determine the time and the place for your miracle. The time and the place for your miracle or your breakthrough. He said the point of contact is when you set the time and the place and decree what you're believing for and then release your faith for it. Now, let's see an example of this in the fourth chapter of, or the fifth chapter of Mark, and you're all familiar with this, and we've talked about it before, but it's worthy of repeating tonight. In Mark chapter 5, and it says in verse 25, And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she heard of Jesus... She heard of Jesus. She heard that he was nearby, that he was in her village, perhaps. When she heard this, came in the press behind and touched his clothes. For she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And notice it was her who set the time and the place for her miracle. Amen. She said, she went into that place where she heard he was. And she said, if I but touch his clothes, what's she doing? She set the time and she set and determined the place for her miracle. And it says that after she touched his clothes, she said, I will be made whole. And then, you know, the story later, Jesus said, who touched me? She said, it was I. And he said, woman, uh, thy faith has made thee whole. Amen. So we're believing this year for manifestations of the hand of God. Producing in our behalf supernatural, unusual, and extraordinary provision. Amen. Now, there's no such thing as a harvest without first sowing a seed. 
That's very simple. Don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure that out. Amen. There's no such thing as a harvest if you're not willing to sow a seed. Amen. Jesus, or rather, uh, the Bible says in the book of Genesis that as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest shall not cease. And if you remember in the first chapter of Genesis, when God created man, he gave him dominion and authority. And the next thing he gave him was seed, indicating or, or letting us know that this is the way God intended for man to live. That he was to live by the authority that was given him and he was to live by the seeds that he sowed. In other words, he would determine his own outcome by the seeds that he sowed. Now, even though Adam blew it, Adam and Eve blew it, notice the law or what God intended at the beginning did not change. In Genesis chapter 8, this is, this is after Adam and Eve. Now we're talking about Noah's day. And the Bible says in verse 22, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest shall not cease. So even though Adam and Eve blew it, God's plan for how man would have his life sustained never changed. Your life, my life is sustained by the seeds we sow. Amen. And, and actually, if you study your Bible closely, you'll find out that everything we do involves seed. Your thoughts are seeds. Your words are seeds. Your actions are seeds. Your material possessions are seeds. I mean, we live by the seeds we sow. And that will never change as long as the earth remains. And even though it's messed up a little bit, it's still here. Amen. Last time I checked, the earth is still here. So if the earth is still here, then we still live by that principle. As long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest shall not cease. Now, once again, Brother Roberts taught me that when you are believing for a breakthrough, whether it be financial, whether it be physical, whatever area of, uh, of need you have, and you're believing for that need to be met, you're believing for a breakthrough in that area, then... You establish a point of contact. Amen. You decide when you will release your faith. Now, he also taught me that uh, when laying hands on the sick, don't ever lay your hands on them until you're ready to release your faith. Don't just, don't just walk up to people and lay your hands on them. He said, no, you wait until you're ready to release your faith. And the moment you're ready to release your faith and get your hand on them. Okay. So I learned that from him. And I've been practicing that all these years, praise God, 52 years of ministry. And I've been acting on those principles. And I'm pleased to tell you, they're still working. Hallelujah. They're still working. So we are establishing a point of contact tonight. Now we know that we are, we are believing God to build this new church facility, church campus. And I gave you a report the last time we had a special Sunday night service that we have approximately $3 million in the account for the new building fund. And everything that is sown tonight will go into that building fund. It won't be used for anything else. It won't pay salaries. It won't be used on anything else. It goes into the building fund. Amen. Not only that, but we have taken a portion of the building fund money and we have invested it so it will earn interest. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, what I'm believing God for is to have $5 million in reserve before we break ground. Now, that's not going to cover the entire cost of the project, but with $5 million in the reserve, that'll give us a good start. Praise God. We can break ground on that. And, and, and begin to move forward. Yes, and then I'm believing that once we move forward, because faith demands corresponding actions, once we show God we're moving forward, then I believe he's going to supernaturally arrange for the rest. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Why don't we go ahead and give the Lord a shout in advance? <clears throat> Amen. Not only that, but I took a portion 
of, of what's come in for the building fund. And you folks are not the only ones who have given. Our Jerry Savelle Ministries International partners are involved in this as well. They're sowing seed. Amen. Not only that, but we've sold, sold S-O-L-D, land around here that we had purchased years ago. And, and, and uh, we have made some good increase on, on the sale of that property and it's being put into the building fund. Okay. So we've got several avenues that God has opened up for us. And I believe, praise God, that when it's all said and done, and the good thing is we don't have to move out of this building till we get that new one done. We don't have to relocate somewhere. We can stay right here until we get that one done, praise God. And then once we get that one done, all this property will be uh, available for sale if that's what we so desire. Amen. So God's working in our behalf. He is doing some good things, hallelujah. And I'm excited about it, and I hope you are as well. Amen. And I want to tell all of you that have already sown, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for believing in the vision. Thank you for uh, being willing to sow seed. And thank you for standing in faith with us. Amen. Praise God. So once again, we see in this story that this woman set the time and the place for her miracle. And she, she, she stated very clearly what she was believing for. I will touch his clothes and I shall be made whole. So I want to encourage you tonight, as you sow your seed, uh, somewhere on a pad or your Bible or your phone or something, write down today's date, January the 27th. I mean, January, February the 27th. (laughs) Hallelujah. February the 27th. In the 6 p.m., Heritage of Faith Christian Center service. Write that down. I sowed a special seed into the building fund. And I'm releasing my faith right now for a manifestation or manifestations of the open hand of God. And I will receive from my seed sown Supernatural, extraordinary, and unusual provision. Amen. So I may have said that too fast, but I think you got most of it. Amen. Amen. So just, just, just write today's date. And don't put the time yet because you had not sown your seed yet. Okay. And when, when we get to that part of the service, then write down on those notes. January, February the 27th, I got January on my mind. February the 27th, 6 p.m. service at Heritage of Faith. I sowed a special seed and I am believing God for the manifestation of the open hand of God to bring about in my life supernatural, unusual, extraordinary provision. And then once we receive that seed, you write the exact time down. I, I like exacts. Amen. Uh, I hate it when somebody says, when, when I ask, well, how much money came in? Well, about, uh, no, I don't want to hear about. Or how much is it going to cost us to do this? Well, about, my faith won't work on abouts. It works on exacts. Amen. So that's the reason why I put the exact time. When, when Carol and I first started out, we learned about uh, the prayer petition and writing out petitions then I, I would write them out. I would construct a prayer based on the word of God. And then we would come together and we'd pray that prayer and we'd put the date and the time on that petition and we'd both sign it so that we could go back and look at the moment. See, that was our point of contact at the moment we released our faith. And from that point, we didn't say someday it's going to happen. No, we said on that date, at that time, we signed our name, we prayed, and that's when it happened. We're just waiting for the manifestation. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Hallelujah. So let's, let's go to the book of Job tonight. And I want to talk to you about Job's point of contact for a major breakthrough in his life. Use him as an example. Now, most of the time, when you mention the book of Job, people don't get excited. 
because there's a lot of negative things happen in the book of Job. And I've heard people say, I've heard preachers say, oh, Job suffered a lifetime. No, that's not true. Most theologians agree that the book of Job only covers between nine and 12 months of the man's life. That's the worst nine to 12 months you ever read about. But it didn't last his whole lifetime. The, the beginning of Job is real good. Now, shortly after the beginning of that, it gets bad. But the end of Job gets even better. Hallelujah. Amen. So let's find out what was Job's part in bringing about this breakthrough. So let's read about the breakthrough first. Go to Job chapter 42. Job chapter 42. You're all familiar with it, I'm sure. And notice in verse 10, it says, And the Lord turned the captivity of Job. And uh, and the latter part of it says, Also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. And then in verse 12 it says, So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than the beginning. So this story turns out good. In fact, Job turned out better than he was before the attacks came. Just goes to prove you don't mess with God's kids. <laughs> not for very long anyway. Amen. God's not going to tolerate that. You, you may be under attack right now, but it's not over. Hallelujah. Praise God. So notice once again, the Lord turned the captivity of Job. And what a turnaround it was. Blessed him with twice everything he had Before all the attacks came. Now let's go back to the beginning of the book of Job. And find out what was Job's part in this breakthrough. Let's go back to uh, Job chapter 3 first of all. Well I'll tell you what. Go to Job chapter 1. And let's, let's find out something about Job before all the attacks came. Verse 1 says that. He was a perfect and upright man and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And then it talks about his substance. And one translation says, uh, the King James says he was uh, one of the wealthiest men or the wealthiest man in all the East. And another translation says uh, he was the most prosperous man in all of the East. Okay. And the reason being is because of what we found in verse two. He was upright. He was perfect. He was one that feared God and he shewed evil. God's the one that made him wealthy. God's the one that made him rich. Amen. And even though later down the road, when all these attacks came and Job makes this statement, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. That is true that Job said that, but it's not a true statement. There's a difference. It's true, Job said it. You know, I could say uh, in here tonight, you know, I have discovered recently that all cows have three hearts. And go on and continue preaching. And some might say, Brother Jerry said the other night in that service that all cows have three hearts. It's true, I said that. But it's not a true statement. There's a difference. Amen. Cows don't have three hearts. They have six hearts. No, that's not true. (laughs) No, I did say that. But what I said was not a statement of truth. Job did say, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. That's true. He said it, but it's not a true statement. Amen. Now, Job had only known God. He didn't know there was anything else because everything Job had, God blessed it. Everything uh, that, 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 that Job had experienced came from God. So he assumed that God's the one who blessed me with it and God's the one who took it away. He assumed that, but it wasn't a true statement because the Bible makes it very clear that God comes to give life. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy Amen. And you can see very clearly in chapter one, Satan came. But here's a lot, here's something a lot of people don't know or they never even thought about. 
Look at chapter 3, Job chapter 3, and look at verse 25. This is Job talking. For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me. The thing which I greatly feared is come upon me. At some point in Job's life, he began to fear. And fear activates Satan just like faith activates God. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for. And fear is the exact opposite force. So if faith is the substance of things hoped for, then fear is the substance of things dreaded. Amen. And, and it's, 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 it's true that you cannot have faith and fear at the same time. One negates the other. So at some point, Job has begun to fear that everything God blessed him with, he was going to lose. Amen. Because you can hear it in his talk. I had nothing when I came into this earth and I'll have nothing when I leave. Fear. That's fear talk. Amen. And not only that, but he began to be concerned about his children, whether or not they were continuing to live for God and whether they were doing things that were right. And and he got off in fear and got out of faith. And that's when the attacks begin to come. Because you get into fear, you've opened the door to Satan. Amen. Am I telling you the truth? <laughs> you open, you, you get into fear and then you open the door to Satan and he will step right in that door and take everything you got if possible. All right. Now, so notice it says for the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. Now, faith and fear are exact opposite forces. And how is the primary way that faith is released? Words. How is the primary way that fear is released? Words. Amen. Words. So if he greatly feared, then apparently he's talking it. Every time I greatly faith, I talk it. (laughs) Amen. If, if great fear will take away from your life, then great faith will add to it. Hallelujah. They're exact opposite forces. Amen. And so we see here that it was Job who opened the door to these attacks through fear. Amen. Now, notice something else in Job chapter 6. Job chapter 6. He gets a revelation one day that maybe it's the way I'm talking that has created all this. And look at verse 24, chapter 6. Teach me and I will hold my tongue. Cause me to understand wherein I have erred. How forcible are right words. What a revelation. Teach me and I will hold my tongue. How forcible or how powerful are right words. He began to realize that his fear was causing him to talk different than the way he talked when he was operating in faith. Amen. I hear that around the country today when I go preaching at places and I hear Christians as they're leaving the church auditorium and talking on the way to the car out in the parking lot, you know talking, dear God, what are we going to do? Did you hear what CNN said? Did you hear this? Did you hear that? Fear talks just like faith talks. And it's amazing to me, you know, I get, I get, uh, branded heretic or, you know, one of them faith guys, like I got leprosy or something (laughs) because I won't talk doubt, unbelief, Poverty, lack, want, sickness, disease. But they can talk it and it's okay. Amen. You ever been around relatives that talk sickness, disease, poverty, lack, and want all the time? And, and you're just sitting there and you're not engaging in the conversation. 
And then you say, well, you're not talking. They say, what, you're not talking much. What do you think? Well, I'm not going to join that. I believe that God is my source of supply. And God is my healer. And God is my deliverer. A lot of times they get up and walk off and act like you've been cussing or something. No, I'm just talking the Bible. Huh? You know, one, one guy who was a critic of all of our faith preachers back years ago, he wrote a book and put all of us in it. When he got to me, now I didn't read the book, but I was told about it. I'm not reading something like that. I got, I got better things to do with my time. I'm not going to read something about faith by someone who knows nothing about faith. Amen. And when he got to my name, he said, all Jerry Savelle does is run around the country building people's hopes up. And when I heard that, I wrote him a letter and thanked him for the compliment. I said, that's right, sir. I'm building people's hopes up, but I'm not building them up on fantasies. I'm building them up on it. It's written from the word of God. Thank you for the compliment. And then one guy, you know, he, he was, he would preach against us in the pulpit and, and uh, someone sent me some back when they were uh, cassette tapes, sent me some of the cassette tapes of the sermons he was preaching. And I was invited to preach in this conference and come to find out he was one of the other speakers. I thought, dear God, why are the two of us in this meeting? I mean, I preach faith and he comes right behind me and destroys it. And, and says things like this, that faith message is over. That faith movement is over. Nobody wants to hear that anymore. And I heard him say those things. And then when he preached, and I'm sitting in the service listening to him, and so much of it was just religious tradition. And then I preached right after him, and he got up and interrupted me. Got up and come up on the platform and interrupted me, and got down on his knees in front of me and apologized. He said, Jerry Savelle, I apologize. Uh, everything I've heard you say today, today, I believe it exactly that way. I've been told wrong about you and I apologize for, for criticizing you and the faith message. Forgive me. Amen. Well, we came home and this was in another nation that this took place and we came home and the next week after he got home and I got home, a pastor uh, had a, a pastor seminar and they invited him to speak. And this pastor was a friend of mine that was holding the meeting. And he called me and he said, uh, you know this guy? And I said, yep. He said, uh, did you preach with him in such and such country last week? Yep. He said, well, he came in here and said, um, I was with Jerry Savelle in this particular conference. And every time he preached, the crowds went down. When I preached, the crowds went up. That just goes to show you nobody wants to hear that word of faith message anymore. I said, did you record that? He said, yes. I said, would you please send me a copy of it? And he did. And I heard the man say it. Heard the man say it. And then I get a letter from the man. The day after. Got a letter from the man. And he's asking me to help him uh, do something with his church and it was going to cost X amount of dollars and wanted to know if I could help him with this. I called him. And my opening remarks were this. You are a hypocrite. You want my money, but you don't want my message. And the message produced the money. And you stood up. In that meeting that we did together and apologize in front of 10,000 people and then go right down to this minister's conference and tell them that that faith message is over and nobody wants to hear that Jerry Savelle and them other faith preachers anymore. You're a hypocrite. Now, what I wanted to do was just hang up. The Lord said, send him an offering. Get thee behind me, Satan. The man's criticizing me in front of all them other pastors. He said, send him an offer. And then he reminded me of the scripture said, heap coals of fire on his head. 
I said, I'd like to bust. He said, no, no. (laughs) He said, send him an offering. And I sent him an offering. And now he thinks I'm the greatest thing in the world. Hallelujah. He didn't want my message, but he wanted what it would produce. Amen. So notice fear talks, faith talks. And Job one day got a revelation. Teach me and I will hold my tongue. How forcible are right words. What a revelation. You know, a lot of Christians need to get that revelation. How powerful are speaking right words. But notice his revelation only lasted a chapter. Go to chapter 7. Look at verse 11. Therefore, I will not refrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. Boy, that revelation lasted a whole chapter. And some of his descendants are in here right now. Oh, Brother Jerry, thank you for teaching me the power of words. Praise God. What a revelation. Man, my life is never going to be the same. And by in the morning, I don't care what Jerry Savelle said. I'm sick, I'm sick, I'm sick, and I'm going to say it. You hear me? I'm sick. (laughs) Well, your revelation didn't last till the next morning. Teach me and I'll hold my tongue. Look at your neighbor and say, uh, I, I think that's the reason God sent you to the service tonight to hear that. <laughs> Teach me and I will hold my tongue. That's one of the greatest revelations you will ever receive. Teach me and I will hold my tongue. Some Christians don't even need a devil. They're, they're, they themselves are their own worst enemy. Amen. It's what's coming out of their mouth. Coming out of their mouth, spewing out of their mouth. James said, uh, my brethren, we ought not have blessings come out of one side of our mouth and cursing on the other side. Amen. So choose one or the other. So we see that, that Job had some issues here, but through all of this, he never turned his back on God. Now, how many of us could say, if we went through what Job went through for nine months of our lives, that when it was all over, we'd still be able to say, I never turned my back on God through it all. That's pretty powerful. I mean, you know, a lot of Christians, you know, they, 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 they start blaming God and complaining against God when something doesn't happen in a day or two. Nine to 12 months, this man went through this. And the Bible says not one time did he speak against God. That's quite a revelation right there as well. Amen. The Amplified Bible in Job 3.25, King James says, For the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me. The Amplified says, Trouble came and still comes upon me. Trouble came and it's still coming upon me. Now, Job's wife (laughs) wasn't she a sweetheart through it all. Her attitude was, why don't you just curse God and die? How'd you like to come home to that? Why don't you just curse God and die? And, and, and the Amplified says, why don't you renounce God and die? In other words, why don't you just turn your back on God after it looks like he's turned his back on you? But that's not what the story reveals. God didn't turn his back on him. Job opened the door himself through fear. Okay. Now, his reply to his wife was this. In verse 10, Job chapter 2, the message translation says, uh, uh, well, another verse, uh, he, his reply to her was, you're speaking foolishly. You're speaking foolishly. 
And then verse 10 from the message translation, he says, not once through all of this did Job sin. He said nothing against God. Said nothing against God. So if you continue reading Job's story, you'll find that his friends were not any more um, exciting to be around than his wife was. In fact, I see him leaving the house, getting away from her and going to his friends. And he got caught between a rock and a hard place. They were just as bad as his wife was. Telling him God brought all this on him. God did this. God did that. And here in Job 42, 7, God addresses his friends and says this. You have not spoken of me the thing that is right. You have not spoken of me the thing that is right. The message translation says, this is strong. God told them, I've had it with you. I'm fed up. <laughs> Folks, when God's fed up, duck. <laughs> the Amplified Bible says, my wrath is kindled against you. The Savelle translation, I'm hot. <laughs> it doesn't pay to speak against God. Now, let's go back to something I said earlier. What was Job's part in this major breakthrough of him at the end experiencing twice everything that had been taken from him? What was his part? Because breakthroughs don't just happen automatically. If they did, every Christian would be having a breakthrough. But they don't happen automatically. You and I have a part to play. Now, what was Job's part? Now, two things. Go back to chapter 1. Job chapter 1. In the latter part of verse 5, Job rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings for his children. He offered burnt offerings. Now, where did Job learn this? I don't see anywhere in here where it says, and God taught Job burnt offerings. But we do know it came from God. God was the one who taught him. Amen? So that was learned from God himself. Giving God offerings didn't begin with Job. It goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. Amen. All the way back to the book of Genesis. One example. In Genesis chapter 8 and verse 20. After God had destroyed the earth. And started all over again with Noah and his family. It says in verse 20. And Noah built an altar unto the Lord. And took of every clean beast. And of every clean fowl. And offered burnt offerings to the altar. Or on the altar. So Noah was offering offerings to God. Amen. And then verse 22. uh, God says as a result of him offering offerings. While the earth remaineth seed time and harvest shall not cease. So notice it was something that Noah did. That led God to make this declaration. As long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest shall not cease. So I, I look at it like this. God is, is uh, treating Noah's offerings as seed. Amen. Because he says this right after Noah offers the offerings. And he says, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest shall not cease. He offered the offerings in verse 20. God says seed time and harvest shall not cease in verse 22. So in the eyes of God, what Job just did or or Noah just did was he sowed a seed. So in the eyes of God, any offering that is sown, whether it's a burn offering, wave offering, whatever, it is a seed. It is a seed. So we can see that Job had a part in this breakthrough. He was a seed sower. You say, well, how do you know that? Okay, I'm glad you asked. 
In um, Job 1.5, once again, the King James says, Job did this continually. Look at the closing sentence in Job 1.5. Thus did Job continually. The Amplified Bible says, at all times. And then the message translation says, Job made it a habit. This was a habitual thing in the life of Job. Sowing seed. Sowing seed. And if it was a habit, then he sowed seed even in the crisis. Even after the attacks came. He did it continually. He did it at all times. He made a habit of it. Amen. So Job was a seed sower. And he didn't stop sowing just because the attacks came. He did it continually and he made it a habit. Amen. Has anybody got the habit of sowing? (laughs) I got the habit of sowing. Amen. You don't have to talk me into it. I do it. I live it. I do it all the time. It's, it's my MO. I'm a seed sower. Hallelujah. Amen. Now going back to the book of Genesis, we also see in Genesis chapter 14 and verse 20, Abraham giving Melchizedek tithes of all. Abraham was a seed sower. Amen. And Abraham gave tithes 400 years before Moses received the law. So people that say, oh, that tithing, we're not responsible for that today because that's under the law. No, Abraham was giving tithes 400 years before the law came. I could have been a lawyer. I rest my case. So seed time and harvest has been from the very beginning. Amen. And that's the way God intends for you and I to live for the rest of our lives. Hallelujah. Now, in Genesis chapter 24 and verse 1, here's the results of Abraham giving tithes. And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And the message translation says, in every way. Abraham was a seed sower. And God blessed him by the time he was an old man, well stricken in age, the Bible says. God had blessed him in every way. Hallelujah. So seed sowing has everything to do with breakthrough. Let me try on this side of the auditorium. Got no response over there. Seed sowing has everything to do with breakthrough. Praise God. Amen. So Job was a seed sower. Do you see that? Now, in Job chapter 42, once again, we're going to find out the second thing that God had Job to do to establish a point of contact for his breakthrough, his turnaround. Let's go back and read it again. If you remember when we read it at the beginning, I purposely left out a part of the verse. Did anybody catch that? Job 42, 10. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. When he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Now, if you back up to verse 8, God had already rebuked his friends and told them they're not saying the right thing about God. And God tells them, my servant Job shall pray for you. Amen. And then as Job continually sowed seed and prayed for his friends, that was his point of contact for experiencing this major breakthrough and major turnaround. Can you see that? Job had a part to play. Breakthroughs, turnarounds like this don't just happen automatically. He sowed seed and he prayed for others. He sowed seed and he prayed for others. That's exactly what we're going to do tonight. We're going to sow seed and we're going to pray for others. That's called the law of reciprocation. Amen. 
Pray ye one for another that you might be healed. Amen. Amen. What you pray for others is going to come back on you. Amen. You know, uh, since December, and I shared this with you, uh, I had some major attacks happen in my physical body. And uh, we normally would be on vacation. And we didn't get to go on vacation because of the, uh, some things that happened. Friends didn't get to come. And so Carol and I just went down to our, our river house and was just going to stay down there for a couple of weeks. Got down there and I, I had some uh, skin cancers. And I thought, well, while I'm off and I'm not out in public, I'll go get these removed. And boy, it was a process. Dear Lord, I've never been through anything so painful in my life. They put me under this heat, put acid on my face, put this lamp up there and I had to stay under it. What was it? 20 minutes, 20, 15 minutes. And I asked the lady that was doing this. I said, how long have I been under here? She said, a minute, a minute, man, my face was on fire. And, and, and she said, you got 14 minutes left. I wanted to get up and scream so bad. I wanted to run out of that place so bad. I wanted to tell them I'm out of here, but I wanted to get this done. And I knew it was the only time I'd had to do it when I'm not in meetings. Cause after about two or three days, all those skin cancers that was under the surface were now right out there where you could see them. I could show you pictures, but I won't. (laughs) My face was on fire for days on fire. And I got, I got skin cancers all over my face, but don't I look pretty today? Hallelujah. (laughs) But boy, it was painful. Well, while I'm going through that now, I, 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 I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't shave. Uh, I had all kind of limitations because I'm on fire. And then right in the middle of that, I have a, a gout attack in my left foot. My big toe on my left foot swollen up as big as, or twice as big as the one on the right foot. It was so painful. And it, it just, it just throbbed. Pain, pain, pain. Face, pain, pain, pain. And what was that other thing I had? Something else, three things. I don't remember what the other one was. Thank God I can't remember them. But whatever that other one was, it was a major attack too. And I thought, this is the vacation from hell. But I'm so glad I didn't have to go anywhere because I could not have stood up in front of people with the pain in my feet and the pain in my joints and the way my face looked and whatever else I was going through, it was horrible. But after a few days, praise God, I felt like Cassius Clay after he just whipped Sonny Liston. I'm so pretty. I'm so pretty. Not a mark on my face. I shook up the world. <laughs> and look how smooth and pretty I am today. Ain't I, ain't I pretty? Oh, it feels so good not to have all those scars. And oh, I just look in the mirror and say, you're so pretty. <laughs> no, I don't do that. But I feel pretty, praise God. But I'm so glad that's over with, dear Lord. Well, the, the healing came to my face. And the healing came from the gout and whatever that other thing was. And, and, and then the Lord said this to me. Now, you're not praying enough for other people. I said, Lord, I pray for other people all the time. He said, no, you haven't been praying enough for other people. And he said, and this is how you're going to stay healthy for the rest of your life. Now I turned 75 in December, Christmas Eve. And he said, from this day forward, if you want to remain healthy and live long, then you start praying for other people more. Don't let TV keep you from doing it. Don't let, you don't get the service till nearly time for the dismissal. Keep you from doing it. You pray for people. 
And then he told me, and you carry prayer cloths in your pockets while you preach. Pray over them and believe that the anointing of God that's on you while you preach will come into those prayer cloths like it did the Apostle Paul and then make them available to the people you're preaching to. And we've been doing that ever since, praise God. And we're having miracles with it. Amen. Great testimonies are coming from it. Hallelujah. So that's my point of contact for staying healthy. Because I want to live long on the earth. I, I, I'm not, I haven't finished my course yet. Amen. Not only that, but Brother Copeland says he's going to live to be 120. And he's exactly 10 years older than me. And now he's saying, and Jerry's going to live to be 110. And when I go, he's going to go because there's no need him sticking around after I leave. Because <laughs> we've been preaching together for 52 years, you know. So I guess I'm going to be 110 when I check out. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I got to stay healthy. Not only that, I, I, got, I still got to finish my course. I got a lot of things to do. Got to get this, this new campus built. You're not going to have that campus without me. I'm going to be here to see it raised up. I'm going to, I'm going to preach in it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. That's like John Osteen told me one time, he had just turned 70 years old and he had built that, that big dome they had there before they moved to the, the, the arena downtown. They just built that big dome and I was preaching there. I said, brother Osteen, my, what, what an accomplishment. 70 something years old now. And you, and you launched out into this building program and paid cash. I mean, there's a ton of money. He said, that's right. I'm not going to let them young whippersnappers get ahead of me as long as I'm still here. As long as I still have faith in my heart, I'm going to keep on building, praise it. Keep on moving. Keep on going. Hallelujah. Amen. So notice here, Job's point of contact for this major turnaround in his life consisted of two things. He never stopped sowing and God had him praying for others. Now, what we're going to do tonight is just before you sow your seed, I'm going to have you to stand up and hold it up and I'm going to pray over it generally. And then you're going to turn around and find somebody else to pray for, for the same breakthrough you're believing for. We're going to do what Job did. Everybody with me? So what did Job do? Job sowed and Job prayed for his friends. Amen. So I want you to stand to your feet right now, if you will, please. God said to Job's friends, my servant Job shall pray for you and I will accept his prayer. Amen. And when he prayed for his friends, God turned everything around for him. So two things Job did that produced a major breakthrough in his life. And I'm believing for breakthroughs for all of you. That's what this service is all about. Amen. We don't have Sunday night services very often. And we don't ask you to sow seed in special projects very often. But that's what this meeting is all about tonight. And we're believing God that this is going to be your point of contact tonight, February, not January, February the 27th, 6 p.m. at Heritage of Faith Christian Center. You sowed a seed a point of contact seed and you prayed for your friends just like Job. And I'm believing that the same God that gave Job this major breakthrough is working behind the scenes to produce your major breakthrough. Praise God. Can you say amen? Amen. Lift your hands and say, I receive it in Jesus name. Hallelujah. Now get your seed out. Get your seed out. I got my seed. I'm not asking you to do something I'm not willing to do myself. I've got a significant seed I'm sowing. Richard and Lindsay, uh, they were with me in 
in um, San Antonio this morning. So they're driving back. They couldn't be in the service tonight. So they came up to me and gave me their point of contact seed, said, this is our seed for tonight. Put it in the offering along with everybody else's. So I've got my seed and I've got their seed. Not only that, but we're already receiving seed from our JSMI partners. In fact, two, two offerings that I saw just uh, yesterday were $1,000 each, sowing into the building fund, believing for their own building fund. Amen. And I haven't got the report yet. We'll get it tomorrow of, of how much has actually come in from the JSMI partners. And the next time we'll meet, we'll share that with you. Praise God. Amen. So we got, we got friends all over the world that are participating in this. We got people watching live that are participating in this. Hallelujah. And what is this all about? The harvest. The harvest. Amen. If it wasn't for the harvest, we'd just stay where we are. But there's a harvest to gather up. Multitude and multitude in the valley of decision, the Bible says. Amen. And we're not going to let it spoil on the vine. Amen. So we got to rise and build and, and prepare for the harvest. So get your seed out right now and hold it up and let me pray over it. In the name of Jesus, I pray over every seed that is represented in his service tonight and also represented by those that are watching by live stream and, and the seeds that our partners around the world are sowing. I pray over every seed in the name of Jesus. And I believe since you established this law, Heavenly Father, that as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest will not cease. And you're the one that, that, that established the principle that whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. But it's very clear from your word that we have a right to expect far greater in harvest than the amount that we sowed. In fact, Jesus said it is quite possible to receive a hundredfold harvest in this life and in the world to come, eternal life, praise God. Amen. So I pray that in Jesus' name, this is your year, people. This is your year, people. This is your year, people, for the hand of God to manifest in your behalf. And it is going to bring about for you supernatural, extraordinary, unusual provision. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a good shout for it. Amen. Hallelujah. Now. Turn around and find someone, not necessarily someone you know, but someone nearby, and you pray for their harvest. Pray for their breakthrough. Don't pray for yourself. Somebody else is going to be praying for you. You pray for them. The Bible says once again, when Job prayed for his friends, God turned his captivity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. We're not going to rush this. Just pray, 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 pray for your friends. Pray for other members of the church. Pray for their breakthrough, their turnaround. Pray that they will experience the hand of God this year. And they're going to have a testimony of supernatural, extraordinary, and unusual harvest and provision in Jesus' mighty name. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. We worship you. We praise you for it. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. 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 And when you're done, just lift your hands up and begin to pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give the Lord another great shout of praise. Amen. All right, now. The ushers are going to instruct you 
if we can move this podium out of the way, please. Move it off to the side somewhere. The ushers are going to instruct you on how we're going to do this. You're going you're gonna to come forward and you're going to place your seed in this container. And then you're going to come by me and I'm going to lay my hands on you. And after I lay my hands on you, I have had a special card for you to take home. Put it in your Bible. Put it somewhere where you'll see it regularly. And on this card, it says, point of contact. According to Job twenty-two twenty-eight, thou shalt also decree a thing. It shall be established unto thee. And I decree that the point of contact seed, which you have sown, will produce for you this year, 2022, the manifestation of the open hand of God and will bring into your life unusual, extraordinary, and supernatural provision in the name of Jesus, signed Brother Jerry. Amen. So you take that home with you. Amen. Keep it somewhere where you can see it regularly. Take it out and say, I have planted my seed and now I'm ready for a major breakthrough. Amen. Hallelujah.